Hello, and welcome back to Stoner. We have a very, very exciting show for you today. I talked to Charlie Wurzel, who is a technology reporter, but he's been at Alex Jones's trial. Uh, if you don't know who Alex Jones is, he's probably the most famous conspiracy theorist in America. So I've been uh, following Charlie's tweets, which have been very funny and often tragic, um, from this custody trial that Alex Jones is enmeshed in. Um, and smack in the middle of the trial, a huge weed bomb drops. Basically, Alex Jones's ex-wife's attorney says, here is Alex Jones on Joe Rogan's podcast, Smoking Weed on Air. And Alex Jones says he smokes weed irregularly, but almost annually in order to test its strength. He says that that's that's what law enforcement does. He he says he tests it because George Soros, that George Soros has engineered the weed to get to be too strong in order to control the minds. of. And it pretty much continues in that vein. Uh, I knew I had to get Charlie on the show uh, to tell us uh, if the weed really is too strong and if uh, George Soros is to blame. So here he is. So you are just back from Austin. Yes. Charlie. Yes. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we get there, uh, there will be a reason why uh, this story is going on a podcast called Stoner. But it's going it, to, uh, like many things about this story, it's a long and convoluted road there. Yes. So who is Alex Jones? So Alex Jones is uh, sort of fondly known as America's like most popular conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. he's, the, he's the best known conspiracy theorist, I would say. Um, and he, uh, he's a uh, born in Dallas, moved to Austin. Uh, he's, he's a, like a tried and true Texan who started out um, on Austin's public access station, just sort of one dude behind a desk in a dark room talking about whatever he wanted to talk about. And right. that happened to be, you know, the really sort of basic conspiracy theories of like government surveillance. And, and there's this cabal of globalist elites controlling the world. And that morphed into a radio gig, which morphed into him creating his own sort of website very early on building that out and now he runs this kind of like maverick media empire and you know it looks it looks like CNN right now but for like 9/11 truthers he was part of what was an existing conspiracy establishment and then he started kind of riffing and and going off on his own with it and he built it into something now that is competitive with Concert, you know, the biggest of the conservative radio yeah it's an empire uh, it's an empire right but it's also totally unhinged. It's wildly theatrical in the sense of uh, a wrestling kind yeah. of spectacle. Involves like shirts getting ripped off. And if you were to describe the platonic ideal of conspiracy radio right now, it's Alex Jones. It absolutely is. And 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 you're right that it's sort of like it takes the best of like conservative AM talk radio, like like venting theater, plus like the theater of just like he has this huge round expressive face and this like gravelly voice and it's just he's a brilliant broadcaster and entertainer there's no one like him so part of the reason why i wanted to talk to you about this on the show is because i think that alex jones springs um from some of the same source material as uh psychedelic uh counterculture um 
you know, he's a person who was really part of weird Austin to begin with. Yeah. Um, and that's a like a public access culture. It's less political than it is like fringe in every way. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that, like his roots are there. And then in the last few years, he's really exploded into uh, the alt-right kind of territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, someone I spoke to um, in Austin from the early days told me that like he couldn't have come from anywhere really other than Austin because you sort of have that like proud Liberty Texan roots, you know, like yeah. you can't take my guns, you can't take my land fused with this total strangeness and like like the like austin was just this home in the 90s to like cheap housing and like like this estuary of creative people and dating back also to the sort of like outlaw country period in austin like yeah. wasn't alex jones like friends with Will, like willie yes at one yes point? there are i mean he's sort of like anyone in Austin, it's such a small, big town that yeah. like anyone who's a a big personality will inevitably find themselves in a room with that other big personality. So it's hard to know how much, but I think like I think back when he was a little less fringy, you know, Willie Nelson's like, yeah, you know, like like yeah, I really like some like, of what he's got. Yeah, to say. some some of the Liberty stuff, you know, was right up his alley. And because Austin was such a weird place, the public access it was like the YouTube of its day. It was like totally uniquely strange. Like it was all kind of like like you can go into a YouTube K hole or whatever, and like that's what it was to just like get high or be drunk at two in the morning and have these live shows it was just like they were like you know religious nuts and there were you know like game shows and all these sort of call in like confessional things and alex was sort of just like right in the center of that amazing culture and i think he was both like half entertainment and half you know, half real yeah half real which is very much what's at stake in the uh trial that you were covering so you went to austin yes. how many days ago did you go down there uh I went down there two weeks ago, and I just got back this weekend. So it was a, it was a two week, it was a ten day uh, jury trial. So you spent trials. ten of the last four, fourteen days in Alex Jones's custody trial. Yes, and, and not just there. Like I was, it was a small room. I was, I got as close as I could every day. I was like two feet away from him, like you know, listening to him sigh, like locking eyes with him all the time. <laughs> There's this mundane little bit where. You know, they're trying to get their water pitchers filled up in the courtroom and the, there's like this long pause and everyone's waiting. And the judge says, don't worry, Alex, it's filtered water. And, you know, he sells all these, you know, water filters and believes fluoride in the water kills, <laughs> uh, you know, children and things. And Alex just like fist pumped and was like really excited about it and giddy like a kid. And, and just in the room, like in that millisecond, even if you hate him, you're rooting for him. This is actually like a kind of a mundane trial in a way. It's like a custody yeah. trial. It's something that happens all over America every day. What what made this trial unique and, and what was at stake? So the... Alex's defense of the custody of his children, his lawyers put together a defense that initially was predicated on the fact that Alex's most outrageous parts of his professional life are political satire and performance art. But drew journalists like myself and, and, and others there was this chance to see, you know, where Alex Jones, the character stopped and where the person began. And, and like, there was this amazing, like the, the stakes were you either admit that you are, you know, a performance artist and you've been sort of selling your audience this false bill of goods for 20 years 
or you risk losing your children. And the whole time, you know, you're under oath and there's, you know, the the specter of perjury. And so, you know, it became this this sort of, you know, weird opportunity that you would never, ever get. Like the whole question for Alex for the last two decades is, does he believe everything he, he says? And this was this offered like the allure of like under oath. God damn it. We're going to figure it out. If you think about fake news, Alex has been living deep inside that world since before, since 20 years before we had a term for it. I was going to say, like, um, you know, there's a kind of a debate in in the weed world about the new interlopers who are kind of opportunistic entrepreneurs and the people mm-hmm. who paved the way. Alex Jones is firmly in the pave the way camp. He's yeah. the guy who let all of these other guys build these giant audiences now, but he was out doing it when he, like... He's like talking to the president now. He was doing right. it when he couldn't even get on like a AM band ra- radio. Yeah, I mean, his first gig on a radio station, not public access, he got through his dad like talking to somebody and his dad was his first on-air sponsor. Like he is bootstrapped in this way, like he, I mean, and and what's crazy about it is and I think where why I'm so interested in it is that, like, until 2012, Alex was, like, you know, virtually unknown. Like, you knew him as maybe in the back of your maybe head. Maybe a like, daily show club. Yeah, like a, like, fringe thing. Really, like, as all these other ideas started to, like, fester, the things that sort of from 2012 onward that led to, like, Gamergate and to, you know, eventually Donald Trump in the White House, all those things also made him so relevant and beloved because he had this huge backstory like he had the receipts on that you know yeah he's clearly this kind of person who who uh he sits inside a lot of venn diagram circles mm-hmm. and then there's this one more circle that i'm just i thought there's just no way this trial is going to not somehow eventually have weed in it it's just like it seems it seems like it seems like it's lighting up all of the perfect places lo and behold how many days into the trial are we i think we're talking like, no, it was so it really came up on Thursday, which happened to also be 420. Basically, his wife's attorneys are trying to bring up absurd things that he's done on air to paint him as an unfit parent. Right. What happens then? So they're kind of going through this laundry list of, you know, Alex has appeared on uh, on camera sort of allegedly drunk seeming drunk i you know you it's a difficult thing to prove sure um so that sort of came up and then you know as the vices started as they ticked off the different vices weed was 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 like the very prominent one uh because this past february alex went on joe rogan's podcast uh, which is uh, recorded on video and live streamed. And I think like to millions, millions of people. millions of people watched yes. it. Yeah. And it was like a three and a half hour, like marathon. And Rogan gets a lot of people who come on the podcast to smoke weed. And Alex, uh, Alex indulged. Well, Rogan is also like in one of the, some of these Venn diagrams. Yes. But Rogan historically had been like, kind of hot and cold on Alex Jones. It seemed like he would like say that they used to be friends, but then if you look back, Alex Jones is like yelling about how like Rogan always claims he's 
wants him to have him on the show, but he never actually has him on the show. So there's already like a like a build up mm -hmm. to Alex Jones being on the show. Should we just let's just we're gonna listen to yeah, a little yeah. bit here? Okay. Yeah. Alex Jones appears to be uh, smoking a joint yes. on the show. Yes. Um, Oh, is this tobacco? Yes, it's very it's strong tobacco from Mexico. I guess I am in California. This is yes. for medical reasons. Hundred percent medical reasons and legal. All that doesn't actually hit. What's the reaction in the courtroom on this case? So it's it's odd because it's sort of this tiptoey line. Like immediately, his lawyers object and say, you know, like in California where this was taped, you know, it is legal. I mean, it, it's it's a really funny thing, or not funny, but it's really fascinating to see this brought up. In, in the courtroom in Texas here as like the ultimate indictment of a right. bad dad. Right. Like it was like, sir, do you, do you smoke marijuana? It really hit me because I keep, I like um, consistently in starting the show have to answer the question like, oh, do you think it's going to be like bad for me to have like talked about smoking weed on air? And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. This, this won't come back to you in any sort of a negative way. Uh, this is one way I could if you're Alex Jones. Yeah. Yeah. But but it was it seems like the reaction wasn't entirely negative. I mean, he kind of spun it like into something to his advantage. The way this, that this worked was it was brought up, you know, sort of in an in an opening argument way. But it really played out on uh, when Alex was on the witness stand. So they so they bring it up and, and ask him about it. And his his justification for it is that he smokes weed irregularly, but almost annually in order to test its strength. He says that that's that's what law enforcement does, which, again, I, I don't know enough to knock that down, but I'm pretty much guessing that there there's not like a like all the police don't go out into the back with the evidence and just like get lit every year or like put it on the calendar to like do that. Anyhow, he he says he tests it because George Soros, the billionaire political donor and like, you know, perfect example of the globalist, that George Soros has engineered the weed to get to be too strong in order to control the minds of, you know, all the Hillary voters out in the world. That was his line. And people were sort of, you know, I think ambivalent in in the audience about this sort of like, oh, the, it's, it's you know, like bringing this up, like if you smoke weed, are you really a bad dad? Like it, it, people kind of felt weird. And then he brings up the Soros thing and then it just becomes ridiculous. The first implication is this is someone who has only been accused of smoking weed once on the air, immediately uh, surrendering that he smokes weed at least once a year. Yes. But there that he has he's like on record on his radio show saying he's done this. So I think he was like trying to cover his tracks in case like the lawyers threw out like and right. on December 15th, 2012, you know. Well, this is also someone who's on for multiple hours a day, multiple days a week for decades. So he probably has said like thousands and thousands things of things about marijuana. Yeah, he's on four hours a day, five to six days a week for 20 years so i mean that's like just just pause and think about that as a human endeavor first of all but then you also imagine trying to remember all of the things you've ever said about weed in 20 years when you're talking like a mile a minute so he says i've been doing it just like like every 10 months or so like yeah he, i mean he even said like the last time i did it was probably 2014 then he brings up this is something law enforcement does and this is like kind of where it shifts from being a personal excuse to a story that people can invest in as a narrative almost right no i mean this is very classic alex and that's why i love this response because he is always 
framing himself in every way as the martyr. Infowars is his is his uh, company, but it really is it's less of a war and more of like a like a like a Christ like thing. You know, he always says, "I I, I don't want this life." You know, right. like I, I I don't want to be worried about the black helicopters like hovering over my house and the shit in the water. Like, what I would like to do is be outside and hiking and playing with my family. But I'm doing this for you. And that's sort of like, I'm smoking this weed for you. Well, yeah, it plays on this classic trope. I guess it relates to the, like, when, um, when, like, a father, like, in the 1970s finds his son smoking a cigarette. He says, we're going to make you smoke a whole carton of cigarettes <laughs> so you learn your lesson. Like, it almost feels like Alex Jones is just, like, there with this, like, sour look on his face, like, huffing it down just because he has to. Just, like, just so, like, him and the cops are, like, square with each other. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, always. And and then it does this other thing, which is why this is I think people have the illusion that conspiracy theory is like making up any dumb set of facts. Mm -hmm. And it's like this guy didn't become number one by like just throwing together like mashups of existing ones. You got to have you got to really get the people's imagination going. So now we have this like annual holiday in precincts across the country where the police are smoking and testing the strength of marijuana. Because they know the truth which is that there are these there's this billionaire in a shadowy back room right. who is is trying to gain control over the entire american populace so what's interesting to me about this is it fits a, a classic conspiracy theory format which is that it is true weed is really strong now so if you're you're kind of sitting there in, in, the, in the jury box uh, taking this in for the first time, you go, well, I have heard that weed is really, really strong now. And George Soros is a real person. Yeah. How do you how do you not know that that's the case? Right? OK. OK. So then George Soros comes in and he's just like he's a classic Bond villain. If there was someone who who had, would have the means to start a global weed conspiracy to uh, dumb down voters, it would be him. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know George Soros by name, and you know one thing about him. Right. But you know nothing else. Like, he's right. perfect in that regard, because you can't be like, but, you know, but George Soros is invested in this. You know, yes. like, you don't know the particulars. You just know that base narrative. So, yeah, he's perf He's a perfect cipher for that. With this con this particular conspiracy, which sure. is the George, uh, the George Soros uh, Superbud conspiracy. Yeah. Where does this, like, has he ever referenced this before? Is he actually freestyling these conspiracies on the spot? You know, I, I believe that this is somewhat, it, like everything, it's like a, a remix to a greatest hit, you know, or like he's like like a jam band or something, you right. know, like he's the performance is going to be different every time you go to right. that fish show. But because... he's been riffing <laughs> on um, they're coming for your body really hard. Oh, like that's yeah. one of his like central raps. Absolutely. Now. And I think and, and yeah, mind control is a huge thing. The, the sort of the most famous one of late is that there uh, are they put chemicals in the water that um, are meant to uh, turn you gay uh, or turn people gay <laughs> so that they don't reproduce as much. Uh. Um, like that's the idea to sort of sterilize the, the human race. And his 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 proof of this is not so much that there are more gay people but that people are noticing that frogs are becoming gay uh, so there's a great monologue that he does where he's just like talking about vietnam and all this stuff and then it just kind of spirals into this he starts screaming about chemicals in the water turning the frogs gay and i'm not saying people didn't naturally have homosexual feelings i'm not even getting into it quite frankly i mean give me a break 
You think I am like oh, shocked by it, so I'm up here bashing it because I don't like gay people. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? Ugh, ugh, serious crap. I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. He's been fighting a culture war, like the, the info war, quote unquote, is, is a culture war. And so many, so much of it has to do with like fear. So as someone who just became part of the Alex Jones world, you're sitting behind him every for three days, yeah. uh, week, five days a week. Um, he knows who you are. He ostensibly knows your name. Like, you yeah. know, it's that, that guy over there. That's uh, yeah. Charlie from Buzzfeed. I mean, did you have any trepidation with sort of um, in real life bleeding across that line and becoming a character in this tragic comedy? There was trepidation a little bit with how to properly report on and intervene in something as personal as like a family custody trial. You know, you have three kids all under the age of 15 involved in this and 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 that is there's that tragic element. So I think like I was very careful to report on the things that I thought were were relevant to the sort of the greater narrative of who this man is and 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 a little less about just like you know, digging up every kind of reckless piece of dirt. Well, the marijuana comment really is like a, I think the reason why it like was sort of the breakout viral hit of this trial yeah. was like, it kind of speaks to a lot of that stuff where, you know, I do have a problem with Alex Jones, right. but do I have a, do I also have the feeling that like someone who smoked marijuana, particularly in a slate state where it's legal, that should be like uh, reflect on their character in a custody dispute. I'm not sure how I totally believe that. It's so funny because the judge did not want to make this trial about InfoWars and said at the very sort of outset, I'm excluding anything political, essentially. Yep. And that's very, it's very irregular to have someone's professional life off limits in a custody trial. Like, it's it's part of who you are. But let me ask a question there. Because when he's in the courtroom and he says, because George Soros made the weed too strong, like... Didn't Infowars just like come like smashing through the wall yeah. like the Kool-Aid? It's like he isn't that not being able to help yourself a little bit if you're saying this is a satire, but it's a satire I can't turn off when I'm on the stand. The trial wasn't about Infowars and didn't really wasn't really about that sort of like how much of this does he believe? But in his testimony and in watching him for 10 days react to, like he really showed but there were no cameras on and you know he that he, there is very little difference in demeanor and in volatility between the man behind that microphone on the desk and the guy, you know, in who's just on trial for, the, the, you know, his kids. Shortly after the weed thing, he was kind of, there was a very sort of brutal line of questioning about his sex life. And it kind of set him off. And he, he, with all that was at stake, you know, his children at risk, he just like, lashed out and basically went into like a booming monologue about like like he said like how dare you i've never seen anything like this like have you no decency and he you know like choked back tears it was wild and like people i talked to after were like been in courtrooms for 20 years never seen anything like it you know up on that witness stand like it's a little elevated it is kind of a stage there's a microphone it's familiar territory for him and yet he has to you know when I had never seen it before, but, you know, someone on a witness stand, you can't just speak your mind when you're asked a question. You have to, you know, if it's a yes or no, you have to do that or they'll object to it. And normally in in the real world, you'd be able to say like, well, actually, I see where you're going, but actually this happened. Yep. If you do that, you're a non-responsive witness. You will, you know, you're objected to, the judge will admonish you. 
So he was just stuck in this position of like, he had everything to say and was legally bound from saying it. He he suffered a defeat in this. You know, he still has joint custody, but he lost the ability to choose where the children live. I think that that moment was just like, was crucial because here are all these people who are basically unable to see the volatile InfoWars character, sort of know in the back of their minds, potentially, you know, that this guy is, you know, famous for this stuff and he's controversial. And then you see that and it's sort of like, oh, huh. I have a few more questions for you. Um, I haven't like prep. I haven't um, asked you whether, if you're uncomfortable with them in any way, feel free to just pass on them. Sure. Uh, do you smoke weed yourself? Um, not like, uh, not a lot. I, f it's not like a control thing or it, it's like, it really fucks with my sense of direction, mm. which is really weird. Like I just feel like a geographical. Yeah. Direction? Like I, 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 I thought you meant like a direction. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, what's really weird is I'm there's like, an app for that. Yeah, I know. Right. It should be. But like, there's this weird thing where I'm always just very like, like right now I know where we're facing in this building. And I kind of have a general idea, I think, like where North is. This sounds really insane. I know this sounds really insane. No, no, I'm, I'm but, fascinated. But I just kind of like the, whatever fog that settles in, Yeah, I just like, I feel very like unsure of like where I am in a room essentially, or like, it's like waving a magnet over the compass kind of. And I just feel, I like it in certain circumstances. I'm not like, I'm not very functional with it a lot of people feel like if you have any trepidation about like weed at all you know you shouldn't do it or something right. like that like what are the circumstances that do make it okay i mean not not being around like a ton of people i smoked with my old roommate a couple of years ago and we watched mlb tv's like looping highlights baseball highlights for like three hours and there's just something about like the way that my mind is wired for baseball and the way that my mind f feels yeah. when stoned that like works so well. It explains in some way that I can't quite express like why it's hard for me. Like the world is, we don't live in a baseball world. You can't loop the world. Yeah, yeah. And also just like like baseball is just like, it's kind of the speed with which I, you know, oh, I got I'm you. ready for the world. You're like, you're like, you're living in like a, like, um, the last two minutes of an NBA game and like, you're looking for like, kind of like a, like summer double header that, uh, exactly. has like a short rain delay. In exactly. The of it. Yeah, exactly. I can feel that. That's, I can definitely feel that's that. That's kind of where I'm at with it. For me, the looping baseball game is 1990s love line episodes. All right. They're just like, I can just play them forever. It's like a, say what you will about Adam Carolla or Dr. Drew, right. both people who've like gone to darker places since then. But like, if you give me like a series of calls that are all kind of like in the exact same vein, it's like someone wondering if you can get pregnant from butt sex, and, <laughs> you know, it's like, it just, I, I, I can get totally lost. My mind can totally wander within that. And, um, I think there's a little bit, I know this is like a really crazy connection, but there's a little bit of that in Alex Jones where it's like, who sits there for four hours every day and listens to it? There has to be some sort of an addictive, soothing kind of experience that people are undergoing. Oh, yeah, I think so. Especially, and, and it is one of those things that there's definitely this, like, acquired taste element to it, um, mm -hmm. where, like, it, it's really hard to, like, to dive, to dive into it. But once you sort of, like, know what to expect, like, like there's something really reliable. Okay, do you have a moment for our uh, quick quiz show segment? All right. 
So if you do smoke weed, however rarely, like what's what's your preferred method? Um, like a like a, a joint, like a pax, a pax, oh, yeah. like a vaporizer yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just a big fan. It's just like I don't know. There's something about it that's like I think you can kind of control the. Is uh, that like the gadget reporter in you? Like you, you got to like connect with a the gadget. I I will say that somebody sent one to BuzzFeed and my colleague had it and that was how i like how i was introduced to it so yes gadget reporting i love has ruined my life i love that someone at some point was like someone at pax was like let's send buzzfeed a like vaporizer that might eventually like appear on some podcast but not like the buzzfeed like yeah some genius pr person who just that's how that's how marketing works (laughs) yeah it's no, that was. It, she was just was, waiting for this bomb. Right now, someone's like, "Yes!" I just got. To, I I got played so hard. That's a long con too, because that was like two years ago. No, but I um, I think you're a perfect person to talk to about this because you actually do report on gadgets. Yeah. Like like how do you how do you think about a product like that? Like what what is it that you like about the packs? I mean, I I really like. So I I've actually I've only been once into like like a um like a a store in a place like a weed store dispensary yeah a dispensary and wow i know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> a weed outlet um no but uh i've you know since it's not legal here yeah. like i've never really been able to like have that sort of like you where you have like a concierge and like they walk you through all this stuff and it's basically like being at whole foods yeah i haven't had that experience so i like the sort of like upping the like the tech ante to it. It's just like, it's a really elegant product, you know? Yeah. And it makes you just like, it just makes you feel like, you know, like it's a replacement for having a glass of white wine. You know, it's just got that weird sort of like, like yuppie quality to it that is kind of soothing to me for better or worse. Do you think that if you like, if you got transferred to the like Buzzfeed San Francisco office yeah. spontaneously, do you think that, um, that you would like be more encouraged in a legalization state? Would your, would you treat the experience differently if it was legal? I think it's, I mean, not because I like have some sort of like, you know, not for like reasons of morality or anything, mm-hmm. but I think for reasons practicality, of, of practicality and access, like, I mean, I will say for somebody who like, I'm pretty like in my own head about like looking like a, like a, a noob or whatever, like looking like an idiot when it comes to like, you know, acquiring weed. And like, so it's kind of like, there's a lot of barriers to like, who, who do you ask about what service? And yeah. like, how do you, you know, like what, what like messaging app do I need to get on or what, like all that, all that stuff. And so it is like, yeah. I mean, I think if it was just sort of like, what am I doing on Friday night? Oh, well I'm just, I'll just go, you know, I'll check yeah. this out. And then that would, yeah, I think totally. And also if like the, your social world, like if your social world were to shift to more of like a, like less drinking, more weed, would that encourage you to do so? Probably, probably also not like in a real social setting. Like I, it's just. All right. You're kind of, you're avoiding the crowds. I don't get very conversational. It doesn't. I feel like the only thing that's going to get you into weed is like season tickets to major league baseball games. Are I mean, (laughs) Hey guys. Um, (laughs) I, just send them to BuzzFeed. Yeah, exactly. No, I I don't know. I, I'm always sort of of the mind of like, is it gonna is it a thing that if I just kinda did it like did it a lot more, 
you just sort of like it's almost like Alex Jones, where it's like it's really hard at first to like make it a part of your thing, and then once you, you goes know. down a little harsh the first fifteen or sixteen hours, but really by the second or third week of consistent listening, you're gonna like it, right? Yeah, then the little you know the like the podcast alert comes in, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna listen to Alex now. Yeah, no, I I think uh, how does someone who's like doesn't smoke weed regularly, um, like how do you get like. Do you keep a little bit of weed all the time for the like every once in a while you want it, or like how, how do you manage something like that? Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> um, it, just ha- it just happens. It just kind of happens. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it probably means that you spend more on it than you than you need to. You know, right? Um, yeah, but, be all stale by the time you want it. R- right. I mean, I, I yeah, it's it's just it's something that isn't because it's not a huge part of my life at the moment it's really like i get to kind of set the conditions for it and then it's just really it's really enjoyable in that in that in that regard and i and i kind of i kind of like that because like i think i don't know living in in new york city as a uh you know a 29 year old or whatever like you were you often find yourself like man i i shouldn't like i should only drink like you know, go out a couple nights this week or do whatever. And you always end up like, you know, disappointing yourself in some regard. But with this, it's like, you know, I do it like exactly as much as I want. There's not, it, like, I feel really in control of it. And I like that. Favorite place that you've ever visited? Um, Myanmar. Hmm. Um, Tell me more. There's, um, I mean, the whole, it's a kind of a cop out to say the whole country. Um, I sort of went on a, on a whim and did a three week trip with my girlfriend last year. And it's just like a place like that, that's been cut off from the world for so, for so long. Opening it back up. There's just like, especially the younger generation is just so like open and accepting and just like so kind and, and interested. And like, I mean, there it's just wild to like talk to them and like watch that like they're having like this crazy internet boom you know and so like you're going there and you're like talk like we it's like you're re-watching the internet for the first time kind of and like we you know we did like this sort of um really sort of like low budget hike experience thing. And there's just this like random 19 year old kid who just took us around, you know, like for like three days into the woods and stuff. And just like talking to him about like experiencing all this like weird culture that, you know, that we're also, you know, jaded about and like loving. What I'm imagining this experience, it's just like you walking by and I'm like, have you ever been on Reddit? He's like, like, you should check out Reddit, bro. (laughs) His favorite band he was like talking about YouTube and his favorite band was, I can't remember what it was, but it was like a British pop band from uh, like, they had a one hit in like 2002 and we were with a, a, a British guy and he was like, yeah, they're my favorite. And he was like, you know that they're like, like 11 years old, right? Or whatever. And, and he was like, oh no, I didn't know that. And then the British guy was like, two of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, you know, they're just, it's it's a such a beautiful country uh b like just like just such genuine amazing individuals the food rules and then there are just these spots like um, it's called Nepali beach and 
you pay you basically stay at like a five star hotel for like seventy five bucks, you know, a night with like everything you could possibly want in the on the you know um, the Bay of Bengal, and it's just like I like you know I uh, Southeast Asia has been my favorite touristic experience also, and I feel like it's like everything that you're describing about like experiencing things are new, just like juiced for maximum entertainment. Yeah. Like my all my memories of being in South Asia, like I, I was riding a moped and then I petted a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's so, it's it's so fun. It's like when you're on. I find when you're on vacation, like the best part about a vacation is like sort of having the time to be bored or just like 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 wasting an afternoon is the best part about vacation. And when you're in a place like Southeast Asia or somewhere, you know it's so different from and not really like has that uh, westernization like you can like you can waste a an afternoon without feeling weird about it whereas like if you're just like you know in tokyo it's like something's gonna drag you away like some you know like strange you know like ramen slash (laughs) you know i i don't like gadget shop is gonna like draw you away from that as opposed to sort of like it's just a different it's a different pace and it allows you to be a different person a little bit. So you almost already answered this. Um but I usually say TV or movie and so I think um the major league baseball stream is not eligible. <laughs> Favorite stoned viewing experience in recent memory, TV or movie? Let me think. I'm I will go weirdly and rewatch like classics of thing like like Casablanca. You know, yeah. or something like that, and just try to like, especially something I haven't seen in a really long time, and I and I don't I don't know what it is about it or why, but I think like, I think things also that are like, just like tried and true, like like this is good shit. I think I want to like, you know, see that in a different like state of mind. On a similar on a similar note, tried and true. You're going to be stuck on a desert island for the rest of your life. Possibly weed growing on this desert island. You're allowed to bring one CD. Yes, the format of this quiz is CD. CD. I respect that. I like that. Um, hmm. There's no streaming on this island. Yeah. No, that's good. Man. It's not necessarily asking you what's your favorite album ever. No. It's the true soothing. You could you could bring a CD that's just Major League Baseball games that you could. Play I don't. I, uh, although that just immediately made like jock jams and jock rock pop into my head, <laughs> and I imagine, I imagine I'd be dead in like two weeks, <laughs> just drowning myself. You brought a Chumbawamba CD with you. Um, I'm really like I'm really embarrassed to say it because, um, because this is a show about weed, but like so I went through like a big fish phase in high school and there's a couple i i you could grab them at random but i i like bought into like buying like when they did the the, like the live cd sets you literally have this have this on cd yeah 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 i literally have it on cd and i mean i guess it's maybe a cop-out because it's like a four disc um so what fish show are we talking about here so people there is a so the there is a hall there's a i forget what year because it's been a long time, but there's a, a Halloween show where they cover, you know, they always cover an album and they uh, cover the talking heads. I've tried to explain to lots of people who hate fish, like why 
I like it. And I and like my my thing is just that like it's a, it's like 20 different genres of music, you know, in a in one like live show. Like, you know, weird like reggae influences, salsa influences, whatever, just straight up like, you know, guitar rock. And that's why I would bring it to a desert island. Like it's not my favorite CD necessarily, yeah. but I feel like, you know, like I could just wind out one of their jazzy sort of like standards and then just kind of like, you know, like rock out to tweezer or something like that. And, and again, I kind of like, I tell people I like escaped at the right time because like, yeah. right as I really liked them, like when I really got into it, they, it was like right before they broke up like that first time or whatever. And like, the quality of the music was getting really bad live. So I think it just sort of like I got out at the right time where I still have maintained, like I still like to like listen to it, but I don't like, I don't really go to shows and like, I don't really talk about it with people that often, except of course on, on podcasts. <laughs> apparently. Final question. Yeah. One thing that you're looking forward to doing, one place that you're looking forward to visiting experience, you're looking forward to having, What's another, what's something you got to do before you die that you, you still got out in front of you? Travel being the normal normal answer, but I'm I'm broadening it in this context. Yeah. Each one of these questions slightly different each time I ask it due to not reading it off a piece of paper. That's okay. Um I thought you were going to say like in the near future that's happening, but now that you've broadened it to my entire life. No, I, we're talking like space camp kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you're like, I'm looking forward to the third episode of Silicon Valley on HBO coming out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Dinner. got me. You got me. Um, I, I'm, when I think about like the, I just want to have had like a really crazy career of reporting and doing things similar to this, uh, Alex Jones thing, like this trial. Yeah. Like I, I, I think the reason why sort of like I end up following a lot of like someone described my my beat as like following the pain or like the things that are like miserable and awful. But I think a little bit of that is like, I like having kind of collecting outrageous experience. And like, so what I, the experience that I'm like most looking forward to is like being old and like, and like having just like a big old room full of like books and like, shit that i've collected from all of this and like you know and being able like i just want to have an i just want to be like the person who can tell really interesting stories at a party thank you very much charlie thank you for having me and that was stoner uh thank you very much to charlie for coming in i'm on the tail end of a 14 day trip at alex jones's trial uh thanks to ann garrett for editing this episode thank you to mickey duje who uh, does all of our visual branding. Uh, we're here every Tuesday. If you want to call us and ask a question for our mailbag, you can do so at 347-464-1625. I've been getting some great calls. I really appreciate it when you tell your friends. And also send me an email, hi at stoner.co, hi at stoner.co, um, if you have any questions or would like to hear someone on the show. I'll be back next week. <laughs>